Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Now, we're in the middle of our Rapid Reaction series while we're preparing Season 8 of the Firetime Podcast. That is going to drop in early March, and we are really excited for it. But in the meantime, what we're doing every week is going through a Firetime Magazine audio article, and we're actually going to listen to it in real time together, and I'm going to give you some Rapid Reaction thoughts afterwards. If you haven't tuned in yet, the Firetime Magazine just launched its own podcast. It's a sister podcast to this one, but every single month we are going to be releasing every article in the magazine on that podcast. And what we're doing right now is we're going back through some past articles that have been really impactful to me And I'm going to listen to it and give you my thoughts in real time. Now, for today's article, we're going to listen to more than 60 million reasons you should rethink your marketing by Michael Vercruzzi. This is an article that is excellent. And I listened to it. It came out back in September and I edited it at the time and I listened to it then. I've heard it, I think, once since then. It's been a while, though. I took away a lot initially, and I'm excited about this because, ironically, in the Firetime Magazine, we have not written a lot about marketing. We're actually going to be changing that a little bit and having it be more of a focus in the future, but I think that this is a really thoughtful piece. Michael has a lot of experience working in startup companies and, and, and really in the, in the tech world, and he really has a good understanding of this. So we're going to jump in and listen to this article, and afterwards, I'm going to give you my rapid reaction to it. More than 60 million reasons you should rethink your marketing by Michael Vercruzzi. How many ads would you guess the average consumer is exposed to daily? 10? 20? 40? Try 100 times that, minimum. Research shows that consumers are exposed to between 4,000 and 10,000 ads per day. And that number only continues to increase as social media and smart devices further entrench themselves into our lives. In total, we upload over 65,000 photos to Instagram every minute, post over 18 million Facebook status updates every hour, and watch over 1 billion, yes, billion, hours of YouTube every single day. Ads surround every single one of those interactions, attempting to sell or sway the mind of potential customers. This data bombardment has led to a changing of the guard on how we process information and communicate with each other, both online and off. We simply lack the time to fully process everything, so we started to filter out more and more input as noise. Eric Brownstein, President and Chief Strategy Officer of Shareability, a company which has created content for the Olympics, Adobe, AT&T, and more, puts it this way. There's not only more content, but better content. You have to compete for limited time and attention, and many messages get lost in an avalanche of distraction. So what does that mean for the hearth industry? And more importantly, your particular business? It means that you're going to have to work more deliberately than ever to capture your potential customer's attention, whether it's through digital platforms, printed media, or traditional word of mouth. To bolster your chances in that battle, you need to build targeting and adaptability into your marketing strategy. Targeting. 
The best steakhouse in the world isn't going to win many vegan diners. It's a simple product market mismatch. Though it's possible that a rare vegan customer could fall in love with their restaurant, it'd be far more effective to focus their attention and marketing dollars on customers who are more likely to enjoy their food. That scenario is an obvious example. But in reality, most companies don't intentionally target the wrong audience. What's far more common is a lack of targeting altogether, which leads to a de facto model of trying to sell everything to everybody. But that approach lacks the focus necessary to win the mindshare and attention of today's customers. So how do you avoid these pitfalls? How do you determine what your core customer target should be? A common starting point is to break your potential market down into demographics whether that be age ranges, genders, income levels, locations, or some combinations of those and other metrics. Ideally, you'd pair those demographics with your historical sales data to see which ones are meaningful to your business. It's important to remember that there's no one-size-fits-all target audience. Every company will have a different perfect blend. Even further, there's likely not a specific target customer that encompasses every product in your store. So the ideal profile for a linear electric unit could be very different from the profile of your pellet stove line. Remember, the goal with targeting is to make sure your marketing resources are spent getting the right people to your products. And you'll win far more focus going a mile in the right direction with the right target instead of going an inch in every direction with no target at all. There are entire branches of research, AI and machine learning, being developed to help with this type of analysis. And while it's beyond the scope of this article, I'm happy to discuss ways to do this. In fact, it's what I've spent a lot of my career doing for Google and other Fortune 500 companies. So just shoot me a note at mav at aes4home.com if you want to chat. Adaptability. Let's say you've honed down on a target audience for one of your products. You build some marketing content around that audience and it works. Sales are up for multiple months in a row. But then things suddenly start to sour. Sales start to slow down and your once great product market blend starts looking less impressive. What do you do? Of course, you can stay the course and hope it's a temporary blip, but if it's not, you could be accelerating your downfall by staying still. A perfect example of this is Blockbuster, the company once synonymous with movies, whose lack of adaptation led to a rapid fall from grace at the hands of Netflix, who ironically had tried to sell themselves to Blockbuster years prior for less than 0.03% of their current day valuation. Instead, you could try assessing your product market blend to see what's changed. Has competition started mimicking your marketing campaigns, causing your once clear message to become closer to the noise we discussed earlier? It happens. If that's the case, you need to look to see how you can reevaluate your messaging to your target audience. Have new products reached the market that strongly challenge your lineup's value proposition? You may need to do a SWOT analysis to identify the areas where you can still strategically compete. In some cases, you may even determine a product you have is no longer competitive, which, as a distributor I'm obliged to pitch, is one of the many reasons buying through distribution can be a hedge for retail shops. The risk of obsolescence rests on the distributor's warehouse rather than your own. Either way, you need to be comfortable changing your strategy as the market demands. A great high-level resource for tracking market trends and being ahead of these changes exists in the Firetime Magazine's Market Trends Reporting, particularly the Regional Reports section. Conclusion There are 67 million members of Gen Z who are starting to enter the labor market, and they'll quickly become a large part of our industry's customer base. They're the most digitally native consumers we've ever seen, 
which means that getting their attention will require unparalleled content targeting, and keeping that attention will require rapid adaptability as competition and tastes adjust. We'll need to find ways to bring value through our messaging and move beyond feature selling, 50% downturn rate, to problem solving, controllable heat output that allows you to have both fireworks and fire at your 4th of July party without accidentally making your guests part of the cookout. The companies who do this best will have more than 60 million reasons why their sales are higher than the sales of their competition. Wow. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that article. It was awesome going back to it. It had been a while since I'd heard it, a couple of months, and I jotted down quite a few notes as I was listening to that along with you. Um, just to go through this, first off, I, I think that Michael's perspective is is really good. And just remember, he used to work at Google. He, he has been with tech startups, and this is an area where he has true expertise. Just going through this, we've talked about this in the past on the podcast, how many ads we get hit with per day. That idea of just think about it. The average person is getting hit with four to 10,000 ads per day. Just logically, does that mean that you're probably paying more attention to the average ad or less attention? Obviously, we're paying less attention to each ad that we see due to the white noise. And when he talked about the, the quote from that expert that mentioned how people filter out input as noise and that we're actually competing for time and attention, that messages are getting lost. That is so true. And this is a, a reason that for many retailers, especially, I mean, it's, it's actually true with, with manufacturers as well, but from a couple different angles, but for retailers, like you cannot just put that same old TV ad on again, where the person with the voiceover says this month at you know, XYZ fireplaces, we've got these on sale, gas inserts to warm up your home and wood stoves for every time of year. I mean, that just doesn't work. I mean, not that TV doesn't work necessarily, but that ad will not work because it's noise. Maybe 20 years ago when there was a lot less distraction, it would get people's attention and they would, they would look at it. But man, that's just, that's, that's not the way that, that consumer behavior is, is going right now. What we need to do though is we need to figure out how do we not get filtered out. And we do that through what, what Michael talked about in targeting. What I wrote down as I was listening to him talk about specifically targeting is just the phrase, you can't make everyone happy. I actually wrote a punk song with that title like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And it's always stuck with me that you can't make everyone happy. And when when you go to market your company, if you try to make an ad for everyone it will be an ad for no one because it's so vanilla, it doesn't resonate or stick. It doesn't take a stand in any way, shape, or form. Seth Godin talks a lot about this. And when when you are marketing, you need to understand who your product is for and who it is not for. You know, just that same that same way that Michael talked about a steakhouse is probably not going to spend a lot of their marketing budget making a message that is sensitive to vegans. You know, in the same way, if you're, if you are selling a wood stove or a wood fireplace, there is a way to message that that's going to be different than selling an electric fireplace or a gas product. You know, selling an insert is going to be different than selling a built-in zero clearance unit. And, and, and messaging really does matter. You got to think about how do I make this message so specific for who the audience is and then, and how do I find that audience? So 
you know, just to give an example of this, and and so this is true, I think, for for manufacturers as well. If you if you look at most manufacturers in our fireplace industry, most manufacturers rely on their dealer base to promote to consumers. There's very, very few manufacturers that are running like a national marketing campaign and are aggressively like paying money to try and market to bring people into their dealers' uh, stores. That that burdens on the dealer. Tom Pugh writes about this in the Blueprint for Success. And this is why margins are so high for retailers because the burden of marketing and going out to get the customer is on them. If, if you sell Coca-Cola, the margins on Coca-Cola are really small because Coke is doing all the sales work for you. They're paying all the marketing money. They're going out and getting the customers. Customers are just walking in. And the only question is, do you have it in stock? Our, our products are, are different. Okay, So with that being established, that for most manufacturers, they're relying on their dealer base to market their products for them. Again, that's totally fine. But if that's the case, as a manufacturer, where should you be investing your marketing dollars? Well, it should be in getting a hold of the best retailers that have the biggest footprint and are going to be a good fit with your company. But very often, what happens in in initiatives, like I'm you know going back and reading you know many industry magazines or things like that, you have ads in them that are targeting the consumer. Now, sometimes people will say, well, yeah, but, you know, consumers in the showroom will pick up this magazine and and read it. Well, yeah, but again, if your company is, if your company is, is marketed through your retailers and trying to make it one inch with a consumer in a magazine that's not consistent to them that they just happen to see in a showroom, I mean, not that that can't work, but you're, you're going to be much better off changing your ads to actually target dealers because retailers reading that magazine, for instance, are going to be paying attention to the ads if they speak to them. Now, that's a magazine example. And and, and for me, you know, it hits close to home as, as, as we do work with the Firetime magazine as well. But the, the, the point stands that you want to think about who is your audience and how do I target this directly to them, right? So going back to this example, like let's say that you take out an ad, you know, five years ago in Hearth and Home Magazine when it was around. Well, if you're a manufacturer, that ad, even if a consumer might see it, it shouldn't be for the consumer. That ad should be for the retailer. And it should make a retailer stop what they're doing and think, oh my gosh, how have I not been selling this product? They can make me money doing this. This is how their sales process works. Whatever it is, you know, that should stop a dealer in their tracks because that's your primary customer. That's the person that's going to continue to sell your product, continue to market your product for you. I love the idea that that Michael talked about when he said, you know, you want to go one mile with the right target versus one inch with everybody. And And even as we've made this podcast, the thrust of it is to help retailers in our industry win. Now, outside of that, I hope it helps manufacturers win. I hope it helps distributors win. That's terrific. But the thrust of it is this is really for the retailer to take control of their business and be able to run it better. Because if they do that, distributors are going to make money, manufacturers are going to make money, and it's good for everybody. But we have to be very specific in how we market and how we talk about this because there's people that it's for and there's people that it's not for. If you're not in the audience of what a given marketing piece is, is trying to accomplish, that's that's fine because it's not for you, you know? So I, I, I love that, that I love that Michael talked about that concept and 
targeting is just incredibly important. You will save so much money in your marketing if you think about who is this for and am I getting it in front of them with this distribution method. Okay, finally, adaptability. He tells the story about Blockbuster, and there's so many examples of this. Like, apparently, Kodak had their R&D department discover how to make a digital camera like i don't know it's like 10 years before the first one was released on the market and they chose to snuff the project out because they were too worried about their film business and it you know ended up being the demise of the company blockbuster where are they now there's one left in bend oregon and that's it there's no more blockbusters left and they were this monster company that could have bought netflix blockbuster didn't make the leap to investing into a streaming platform again because they didn't want to hurt their existing business model that they had. We have to be able to adapt. So when it comes to your marketing, we need to just measure and look and say, is this still relevant? We do this all the time with the Firetime Magazine and with Wi-Fi, looking at, is, is what we're doing relevant? Do people care about it? Is it giving value to them? And if it's not, we got to adapt. Because, you know, we can complain about customers all that we want. And and many businesses do that, but it doesn't do you any good because they're your customer, right? So like you can complain about them or you can try to find a way to give value in a, in a way that's relevant to them. And if you don't want to do that, then I mean, I don't know what to do. You probably got to get out of the business and find a different customer. So adaptability is really, really big. I'm, I'm thankful that Michael gave a shout out to the market trends report in the Firetime magazine. That's something that is only available in the Firetime magazine app. But at the back of the magazine, we do a pretty in-depth retailer survey every month that goes over sales trends. You know, what percentage of retailers are up in fireplaces this month between thirty and $50,000? What percentage of retailers are up this month between fifty dollars and $100,000? Same thing for barbecue. So this is something too, just to kind of shed a little light on it. We are trying to grow this out more more and more and more. So if, if you are a retailer and you want to start filling that out, you can, if you subscribe for the Firetime magazine, uh, you can get added to that list because the more retailers that we get anonymously contributing towards it, we can actually start to do some really, really powerful stuff and provide all of our readers just some great, great reporting. Finally, Michael mentioned that we need to move from feature selling to problem solving. And that is so true. It's it's the Achilles heel of our industry because we're we're technical in what we do and very often our marketing is is overly technical. It, it talks about things that are features that you know again it's just white noise. We want to solve a problem. You know if 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 my I don't know if I hit my thumb with a hammer and it hurts and all of a sudden someone starts telling me about the features of a of a band aid that it's made with you know nylon and that it has a adhesive that has some kind of poly resin to it. And I mean, I don't care about that stuff. I don't even know if those things are real, but I don't care about that stuff. You know, if it's like, you know, put this ointment on your hand and then put a bandaid on and your thumb will feel better in two days. I don't know what it is, but like that solves my problem. And that makes me want to listen to it. So in everything we do marketing wise, make sure we're talking about problem solving and it's got to be in a digital friendly format. You know, Michael referenced Gen Z and how they're so digitally native. And that's true. We do have a little bit of time before they become the primary purchasers in our industry. But honestly, even baby boomers, I mean, they're all over Facebook and Instagram, like, like, our world is becoming a digital world and brick and mortar retailer has a place in it, but it must be complemented digitally. So I, I got a ton of value out of that article. I hope that the rap, the rapid reaction was helpful 
for you. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And, you know, the, the people that support this podcast, whether it's that they contribute a small or a large amount monthly or whether they just, you know, tell their coworkers about it or, or share it with another business owner, it, it means the world. We don't take it lightly and and it, it's a... Uh, it's an honor for us and a responsibility to try to make sure that the content we deliver is as high as possible. So thank you so much for being along for the ride. I'm going to end this episode with a quote from Gary Keller. He's the CEO of Keller Williams. He said, we had to make a decision that we were no longer a physical company with a digital presence. We were a digital company with a physical presence. It would be very wise for us to do the same thing. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. Too bad.